The last time I got to preach was the first Sunday in January, and today it's the first Sunday in June, so I get to preach once every six months. It's so much fun. Pastor Dan, when he gets back next Sunday, go up to him and say, Pastor Dan, we love you so much. You look so tired. You need another two weeks of vacation. Don't worry. Pastor Frank will preach again. I'm also the director of community groups, and uh, this crazy-looking T-shirt, I was forced to wear it this Sunday. No, no, I really wasn't. I was asked to wear it because it's a T-shirt that is uh, designed by our community group and by uh, the leaders, and it's worn by those that are a part of our particular uh, community group that's actually meeting right now. Jeff Stratton is the leader. When Lynn and I the second Sunday we came to Laurel Ridge, we wanted to join a group, a Bible study group, a community group, whatever. And so uh, we went into that one, and they looked at us pretty strange because we didn't look much like they did. But you know what? <laughs> we were accepted and loved, and uh, we have just been so blessed. And so it gives me an opportunity, and they say, Pastor Jeff called me yesterday, would you be willing to wear the T-shirt? As you preach, I said, you know, okay, I'll wear the t-shirt, says all in, and WWJTCU, walking with Jesus to change us. And so, um, we've just been blessed. If you're not a part of a community group, you can't grow in Christ like you need to grow in Christ unless you are part of a small group that's studying God's Word, fellowshipping together, ministering to one another. Let me tell you about the ministry of, of this particular community group. The leader of our group, Jeff Stratton, has needed a liver transplant for a long, long time, um, many, many, many months, and he's run out of, he ran out of donors, he ran out of potential candidates, and he's going to die if he doesn't get this transplant. Well, finally, a young man in the group, Michael Fisher, said, I'll go and test to see if I would be a match for your transplant. And lo and behold, as God would have it, Michael was a match for Jeff. Now they're just friends, brothers in Christ. They don't, they're not related by blood or anything else, but by the blood of Jesus. And so on June 19th, Michael is going to donate part of his liver to Jeff so that Jeff can live as God would have him to. Now that's, a, that's, that's what I call ministry in a community group. Amen. Ministry in a community group. So if you're not a part of a community group, it gives me a great opportunity to say you need to be a part of a group. You'll need ministry. We all need ministry. Comfort, encouragement, and help. Um, and prayer and study and just to grow. Well, I want to talk to you uh, this morning. Um, God's placed on my heart, actually, this whole message. Um, I'll not mention any names, but there's a wonderful young man that was a part of the study I just concluded on Sunday nights uh, on everything you need to know about the Bible. And he uh, asked a lot of questions. And there were good questions. And it, ins it really, God used his questions to lay on my heart when I knew Pastor Dan had asked me to bring this message. Um, and it would have been two messages, but and give credit to Pastor Dan, I was in Phoenix last weekend doing a wedding for a former member, so I couldn't be here. But, but this message about God's Word uh, was inspired and by this young man's questions about God's Word. And so um, I pray God will use it to speak to your heart today. I want to just begin the, the message by um, asking you if you understand and know that there's someone, someone who's very important that uh, really wants to be with you, really wants to spend time with you really wants to get to know you, and really wants you to get to know Him. Someone that wants to talk with you, speak with you, uh, spend time with you, um, let you get to know who He is, get to know how much He loves you, how much He cares for you, how much He wants to uh, be a part of your everyday life. In fact, what's really interesting about this someone is this someone has sent you, I know this for a fact, you may not realize it, but he sent you a text message. In fact, this someone has sent you multiple texts, 
And he does so every single day, again and again and again and again. Now, I just kind of, you don't have to raise your hand if you want to, but how many of you already this morning have checked your phone or your iPad or the computer? You want to look at that? Yeah, I mean, see? Okay, how many of you, well, no, we won't ask this, but I'm going to say, I wonder how many have checked the text messages from the one who loves you more than anyone else in all creation. These messages that are sent to you are meant to speak to the very heart, to your very heart and soul, to your most inner being, to the purpose that you have on this earth and to your existence for living. Doesn't it sound like that you should check, maybe, these texts? In fact, I want you to do something. Now, my outlines don't have any fill-in-the-blank, but I know that upsets some of you because you like to fill-in-the-blank. So I want you to take the outline, and on the front of the outline, where it has the, where it has the uh, title, you write underneath that title, Check My Text From God. Check My Text From God Every Day. If you'll do that, then the application of the message has already been set. You don't even need a phone to check God's text. You have His written Word. Do you know what's interesting? As we learned in our class on Sunday night, some of you know this already, that the original, in fact, the manuscripts that were written that became the Bible, that became the Old Testament and the New Testament. You know what they were originally called and what they're called in the areas of scholarship and academia and study? They're called what? Text. Hebrew text. Greek text. The whole manuscripts and every copy are called the text. In fact, if you have the various copies of the uh, what we call the, the Masoretes, or those who kept control of the authenticity and the accuracy. Uh, it, it's called the Masoretic Text. Every copy of the Old Testament. All of the various regions that copied the Greek New Testament manuscripts, they're called the, the Greek Text. The text of uh, the Sinaiticus and the, and, and the Coptic text and the Syrian text and the Vaticanus text. It's kind of interesting to me that we spend a lot of time, and I'm guilty too because, you know, I did come in now to the 21st century, so I look at my text and emails and stuff on my phone and probably do a lot more so than I do what God has sent me. Well, the question for us is this. How can we come to know and experience in living reality the one true and living God and continue to experience Him every day of our lives? The answer is His written Word. It's also known as the Christian Bible. God is alive and present through this copy of His written Word. You can get one of these at a bookstore or just about anywhere. God is not out there somewhere. He is here. He is desiring to speak to you and to me personally every single day through this Word. In fact, God sent me a text this morning. He sends me a text every day. And all i got to do is take the time to open it. You know, unless you got one of those really fancy phones that speak to you and say, Hey... Dan, hey Frank, you've got a text. I'll open it for you and I'll read it to you right now if you want me to. I don't have a phone like that. I've got to turn my phone on. I've got to look at it. I've got to slide the thing down. I've got to open up to my text and read it. But I know that my Father in Heaven sent me a text this morning. He sends me a text every single day. His text today, one, in fact, one of the texts every day he sends, he says, Frank, I'm your light and your salvation. You don't have to be afraid. I'm the stronghold of your life, Frank. You don't have to be afraid of anyone. If, if evil men rise up against you, if those uh, come uh, spewing lies and want to take charge of your life, you can rely upon me. I am with you. You do not have to be afraid. I'm the stronghold of your life. 
And it goes on and on. I love his text. He says, you can be confident if an army besieges you, your heart doesn't have to fear. If war breaks out against you, Frank, you don't have to be afraid. I'm with you. And you can be confident. And Frank, Frank, you can be confident that you'll see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, and therefore you just wait for the Lord. Wait and be strong. And take heart. For the Lord is your God. That's just Psalm 27. That's just one He gives me every day. Another one. And by the way, this is just going to be the Old Testament. If I had next Sunday, I'd do the New Testament. But just the Old Testament. Another one that He gives me. He gave me a long time ago. Because I grew up really without a dad. So I was always had that hunger and deficiency or dysfunction in my life about a father to give me a blessing to tell me that he loved me and he cared for me I never had a father say that to me but I did finally have my father in heaven and before I even knew what texts were he said this Frank you're my dear son I thank God whom I serve as my forefathers did with a clear conscience night and day because I constantly remember you in my prayers I recalled your tears. I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy in your presence. I have been reminded of your sincere faith which first lived in your grandmother, now lives in your mother, and I also am persuaded now lives in you also. For this reason, I remind you, I remind you, Frank, to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of a sound mind, of love, a sound mind, and self-discipline. I could go on and on and on. God leads people to come to know Him through His written Word. God brings people to faith in Jesus Christ through His written Word. God speaks to us individually, personally, continuously through His written Word. I have a rationale for this message. I've become convinced that followers of Jesus Christ are becoming less and less knowledgeable of God's written Word. Not only less knowledgeable, they're reading it less and less and using it less and less to be a daily guide for their lives. I've become greatly concerned that followers of Jesus Christ are missing the incredible blessing, benefit, joy, help, encouragement, comfort, inspiration, and amazing personal power of God speaking into our lives through His holy written Word. Therefore, I feel led to address that issue. And for those who may not be believers in Jesus Christ, I'm glad you're here. If you're a seeker, you're a skeptic, I would welcome you. I'm so happy that you're here this morning to invite you to listen and see if you hear God speak to your mind and heart about the validity, credibility, and authority of the book called the Bible and the reality of the God to whom it reveals. The first thing I want to do, and I've got so much, I've got so much more than I have time to give you. I always do, and it always is frustrating to me, so I'm going to try to watch the clock and just do this as best I can. I want to give you, now this is no time to, I'm going to give you a theological correlation between the eternal Word of God, the living Word of God, and the written Word of God. Okay? No time to be nodding off. Okay? <laughs> this will go right, you'll wake up and say, what, uh, what was that? Okay? The eternal Word of God, the living Word of God, the written Word of God, the eternal Word of God. God, through His Word, spoke spoke creation into existence according to the written Word. So we find in the written Word, in Genesis chapter 1, that no less than 11 times it says, And God said, let there be light. And God said, let there be a firmament. And God said, let there be land. And God said, let there be animals and creatures of the sea and fowls of the air. And God said, let us make man in our image. Eleven times God said, He created by His spoken Word. So the eternal Word of God was the agent of God's creating activity. But if we turn over to the Gospel of John, the Gospel of John begins, in fact, the God... 
Genesis, the very first book of the Bible, the very first verse begins, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Bara Bereshith Elohim. In the beginning, God created. In John's Gospel, it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He, this Word, referred to in, in the first person plural, uh, pronoun, He was with God in the beginning. And listen to this in verse 2 of John's Gospel. Through Him, the Word, this eternal Word, all things were made. Through Him, the eternal Word, all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men, and the light shines in darkness, but the darkness does not comprehend it. And then in verse 14, same chapter of John's Gospel, it says, And this Word, the Word, became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory. Glory as of the one and only Son, full of grace and truth. The Word, the eternal Word, became the living Word. And the living Word is revealed in the written Word as Jesus Christ if we read on through the Gospel and then go back and read Matthew, Mark, and Luke as well. The eternal Word became the living Word. The living Word came to earth and dwelt among us in human flesh. And so the living Word and the eternal Word were one and the same. Jesus of Nazareth, the Christ, the Son of the living God, the Savior. And all is revealed in the written Word. So there's the correlation. The correlation just means the interconnection between theological truths that we discover God created through His Word, an eternal Word. We find that the eternal Word became a living Word and dwelt among us. And that the eternal Word and the living Word has been revealed to us through the written Word. That should make the written Word highly significant. The written Word revealed the eternal Word and the living Word. So that's, that's a theological correlation which provides a foundation to inspire you and me through motivation to appreciate and in some sense have a... a a sense of awe about this written Word. It's dynamic, it's powerful, it's supernatural. This written Word. In fact, the written Word that is represented in this book that I bought from Barnes & Noble called the Bible, with, which is a new international version of the Word. The same dynamic doesn't matter if it's the King James or if it's a New American Standard or Revised Version or even if it's one of the more uh, uh, paraphrased translations, as long as it represents the truth of God, it is thy dynam the dynamic Word of God packed with supernatural truth and power for your life and for my life. Just, just look at the Old Testament. We just got I just got a few minutes to take you through Genesis to Malachi. <laughs> really, we're not going to do that. We kind of did that in our Sunday night class. But let me start with the names of God. Just in the Old Testament. Just, just the Old Testament. See, one, one question was, and it was a very honest question, it's a very typical question, and I've heard it many times before, the Old Testament is hard. The Old Testament is difficult. I don't get the Old Testament. It's so long and it's so a lot of it's so boring and it goes on and on and I can't understand it and it's all about a God of, of war and judgment and, and wrath and I just skip to the New Testament. I get, I get that. Well, wait just a minute. Do you know in the Old Testament, the names of God are first revealed? 
And I wish I could take time on these, but I don't. I can't take time on these. I'm just going to have to be brief on everything I share with you this morning, but just introduce them to you. For instance, the foundational name of God, the all-consuming foundational name of God was given in Exodus 3 to Moses when God called Moses to go free the children of Israel from Egypt. And Moses was scared to death and Moses was making excuses and Moses was trying to back out of the call and Moses said, God, if I go, who, who will I say sent me? And God said, Ihi, Ihi, I am. It's the Hebrew in infinite verb. A verb of infinity. It has no beginning and it has no end. It it, it simply means to be. I am. I always was. I am. I always will be. Putting some vowels from the Greek word Lord Adonai, we make it Yahweh. Yahweh. I am. Tell them I am. Infinite God. No beginning. No ending. Infinite. And then there were some other, there's other characteristics that we find. Uh, Names of God. Later on in the book of Genesis, or actually earlier in the book of Genesis, Abraham already recognized God as Yireh. Yahweh Yireh. God is my provider. God is sees what I need before I even ask. In Genesis 22:14, He provided for our salvation. The greatest need we have is our salvation. Yahweh Yireh. Yahweh Rophi. He is my healer. Exodus 15:26, He can heal my mind, my body, my emotions, and my spirit. And in Exodus 20:15:26, the obedience to God is directly connected with health of the believer. Yahweh Nisi, God is my banner, Exodus 17, 15. He is my victory in conflict and confrontation. It's a context dealing with the Israelites and the Amalekites. And let me tell you right now, I know we all got Amalekites in our life. We got them trying to seek to steal, kill, and destroy us and our relationship with God and the goodness and the wholeness and the happiness of our life. Yahweh Mekiddish, God is my sanctification. Leviticus 28, where be ye holy as God is holy, as I am holy. He makes me holy and more like Jesus. Mekiddish is a word actually taken from the root word kadosh, where we find in Isaiah 6, where Isaiah in the temple saw the heavenly vision of God and the holy of holies, where the angels and all the seraphim and cherubim were saying, Kados, 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 Yahweh Sabaoth. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. Yahweh Shalom, God is my peace. Judges 6.24, we sign the the context of Gideon who was facing insurmountable circumstances in his life and overwhelming odds. And God said, go, I will give you peace. He gives me peace in spite of my circumstances. Yahweh Rohi, God is my shepherd. Psalm 23, 1. He leads me, He feeds me, He guides me, He protects me. Yahweh Sikenu, God is my righteousness, Jeremiah 23, 6. There will be a righteous branch from the house of David, Jeremiah said. And in my, His righteousness, He accepts me, He forgives me through Jesus Christ, His Son, and He cleanses me from all unrighteousness. And Yahweh Shammah, God is present with me. Ezekiel 48, 35 is a picture way over in the New Testament of the new city of God. The city of God, the holy city descending. And the name of that city, Ezekiel said, is Yahweh Shammah. The Lord is here. He's present. He's here. He is with me. I'm never alone. Additional attributes are found in some. This would be where in systematic theology, which will be the next course coming up in the fall, where we learn the attributes of God. What is God like? He is like what He does. What is He doing? Well, one thing, He is 
extending love, mercy, and grace. Now, I don't have time to go into all of these Scripture references. I'm just giving them to you. Kind of my hope is, oh, I hope I'm not foolish in this, that you'll go home and look these up and read them. The grace and mercy of God. Genesis 21 is a beautiful story about a mother and her little boy who was cast out, who was thrown out, who was abandoned and sent into the desert. And they were there and the mother left the boy underneath a tree to die because she couldn't bear to see her son. And God came in the midst of the desert to rescue that mother and her child. You know who that child was? Ishmael. The father of all the Arab people. The father of all the Arab people. The son of Abraham by his, Sarah's, his wife's handmaid, Hagar. They were abandoned. They were kicked out of the camp. And God rescued them. Grace and mercy. 2 Kings 5 is about a commander of an army that was the enemy of Israel. The commander of the Assyrian army, Naaman, who a little Israelite girl said, you've got leprosy. He had this disease of leprosy and he had no cure, obviously. And she said, I know there's a prophet in my country who will help heal you of your leprosy. And he went back there. Why would God care about the healing of the commander of the enemy of Israel because of His grace and mercy. The providence of God. Last week, Pastor Dan talked to us about Elijah and the widow and her son who made a, a, a short cake of bread with some, just some flour and a little bit of oil. Later in that, uh, we have Elisha in 2 Kings 4 who meets another widow with a son who was starving to death and they collected jars of oil. And the more jars they collected, the more oil they had and they were able to sell it and they were able to survive and live by the providence of God. In Psalm 23, I already mentioned. Maybe these, most of these are obscure passages and I picked them out for their obscurity because of some people saying, well, there's nothing in the Old Testament that's worthy for me to take time to really spend reading. But Psalm 23 is not so obscure, for we all know it. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The providence of God, I want for nothing because the Lord is my shepherd. One of my, temp- my substitute preaching professor, Dr. J. Alfred Smith, of Allen Temple Baptist Church in Oakland, California, came to my seminary class and he taught us one whole hour and a half lesson in our preaching class on just the first sentence of Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. Who He is, the certainty of who He is, the personal nature of who He is, and what He is to me. I shall not want. I don't want for anything. I don't need anything because the Lord is my shepherd. He leads me beside the still waters. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for His name's sake. I glorify Him in my, as I walk in righteousness. And if I walk even in the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because He is with me. His rod and His staff, they comfort me. In fact, in the face of my enemies, He prepares a table before me. He anoints my head with oil. My cup runneth over. And surely, for certain, sure goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We know that one. The wisdom of God. In 1 Chronicles 12, 32, there's a little obscure passage that talks about the men of Ishakar. And he just says one thing about them that's one of the most profound things in all of life. One little bit. You, I don't know if anyone's ever heard of the men of Issachar and heard and knows this First Chronicles 12, 32. It's in one of those long genealogy accounts that we just say, oh, genealogy, can't pronounce the names, skip it over. And it says this. 
the men of Ishakar understood the times and knew what to do. You know why so many of us are, are so stressed and, and hung up and worried and give out and tired and anxious because we don't know what to do. We don't know what to do with our job, our kids, our marriages, our home, our personal lives. We don't know what to do with the world. We don't know what to do with a society. We don't know what to do with finances. We don't know what to do. The men of Issachar understood the times and they knew what to do. If you will understand God's Word to you, you will know what to do. <coughs> All the verses in Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, my most favorite, one of my most favorite parts of the Bible, that people in my class, they get a kick because I told them, well, Genesis is my, one of my favorite books of the Bible, and of course, I love Joshua, <clears throat> Ruth. Uh, you know, Deuteronomy is great. Also, I can't. You can't. First and Second Samuel talks about David, and I go on and on. Malachi, wonderful prophet. You know, and I'm John. Ever, never mind. Trust in and prayer to God. First Chronicles four, nine and ten. Jabez, you've heard of the prayer of Jabez. You miss it. It's again one of those long genealogy lists, and you Jabez, Jabez, Jabez. His mother bore him in pain and named him Jabez because it means born in pain. And Jabez prayed, <clears throat> and it records his prayer O Lord, bless me, bless me, O God, and enlarge my horizons. And let your hand be upon me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. He doesn't say if it's physical pain, mental pain, emotional pain, spiritual pain, relational pain, and that's good. It's like Paul's thorn in the flesh. We don't know what it is because it applies to all of us for we all have areas of pain. But he, Jabez prays, we'll miss that. Trust in and prayer to God in the Psalms, of course. And I quoted you the one I've got in my in my copy of God's written word. You know, God sent me this. Te- I didn't realize it was a text till I put this two and two together. I said, "Oh yeah, wait, text. God God gives us text." I just thought He's a, it's a personal word to me. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength, the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? I read that to you. That's His, and I've got it recorded over here as for me. Psalm 27. Right after it, there's one for my daughter. There's also one for my son. So it's a text God sent me for my son. And, and there's one for both of my grandkids. I've got one over here for Oscar on the day he was born on 41010. And one for his little brother Beckett on four fifteen thirteen, and then I've got one that he gave me for my wife. Psalm forty two, as a deer pants for water, I pant for thee, O my God. She loves God so much; she she just desires Him so much. He sends He sends text to us for us because He loves us. Because we're personal to Him. And He's personal to us. The love of God. Okay, there's, there's, see, I'm just picking out little... St- just in, The book of Ruth. A love story. A story of love on several levels. The book of Ruth. In one of the harshest, most violent, uh, most conflicted, warfaring times of Israel's history, we have this love story. A mother's love for her sons and her daughters-in-law. And her daughters-in-law's love for their mother-in-law. And the mother's love, mother-in-law's love for the daughters after the sons had died and her husband had died to go back and find a husband for a new husband for her daughter-in-law and the love between them. Such a beautiful story. Such a beautiful story about God's love. God will never stop loving us, never let us go on on multiple levels. His love never lets 
go. And He's always arranging to express and extend His love to us. And of course, the Song of Solomon, which parts I couldn't read and probably, but they read it in his day, and it's just that impassioned love between two individuals. They can't help but expressing their love to each other. Can't help but just expressing their love to each other. Sometimes when marriages get in trouble, it's because we stop expressing our passionate love to each other. The sovereignty of God. I love the sovereignty of God. God is accomplishing. What is sovereignty? God accomplishes His purpose in His own ways, without asking anybody's permission as to how to do it or when or where. God is sovereign. He chose a shepherd boy as a king. He saved a nation through a queen. I wish I could tell you these stories and go into more depth about them, but I don't have time. Because I wanted to read you some selected passages that are some of my favorite, that I may be obscure passages like this one this is a message from God there's a time God said there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven it's a time to be born and a time to die there's a time to plant and a time to uproot there's a time to kill and a time to heal There's a time to tear down and a time to build. There's a time to weep and a time to laugh. There's a time to mourn and a time to dance. There's a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. There's a time to search and a time to give up. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. For He has made everything in life, everything in life, beautiful in its time. And He has created within the heart of men eternity. But men have never understood God from beginning to end. See what that says from Ecclesiastes, one of my favorite books too. Life is, is okay. The good and the bad. Because it all belongs to God. And there's a time for everything that you and I will experience. But one thing about life and one thing about time is that God created within every, in the heart and soul of every human being a sense of timelessness, a sense of eternity. We know there's something beyond time. But we don't understand it. And we don't understand God. Because we haven't taken the time. From beginning to end, we'll never understand Him completely. But He created with us that time. Jeremiah 29, 11-15 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I've just got to go through these rather quickly. Lamentations. When's the last time you read that book? The weeping of the prophet Jeremiah's prophecy who says in portions, because of the Lord's great love we are not consumed. His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, O God. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore I'll wait for Him. Wait, I thought money was your portion. No, the Lord is my portion. I thought finances, I thought fame was your portion. No, the Lord is my portion. I thought uh, a fine house and clothes and cars and jobs and climbing the corporate ladder was your portion. No, the Lord is my portion. I'll wait for Him. 
From the depths of the pit, I called your name, O Lord. You heard my plea. Do not close your ears for my cry for relief. You came near when I called you and you said, Do not fear, Frank. And you, Lord, took up my case and you redeemed my life. Lord, you have seen the wrong done to me and you've upheld my cause. Lamentations! The prophet Joel said, Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart. With fasting and weeping and mourning, return to me. Return to the Lord your God, for He is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. Joel, he relents. God doesn't want to send calamity. He will repay you. When calamity hits you, He'll repay you for the years the locusts have eaten and taken from you. This came to me personally. (laughs) For I created some absolutely stupid and horrendous calamity in my life and deserved to die. But the Lord came to me and heard my cry from the deepest pit and the stuff that was destroyed by the locust of the demonic hordes and my own stupid decisions. God repaid because of His mercy and grace. He repaid for the years of the locust, the great locust, the young locust, the other locust, and the locust swarm. Obadiah said, The day of the Lord is near for all nations as you have done. It will be done to you. Your deeds will return upon your head. But on Mount Zion He will deliver will be deliverance, it will be holy, and Jacob, Israel, will possess his inheritance. In Micah, he says, What shall I come? What shall, with what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before Him with burnt offerings and calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with a thousand rams and ten thousand rivers of oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression or the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? No! God doesn't want religion and offerings and stuff just to be given. Here's what He has shown you, old man, what is good and what is right. And what does the Lord require of us but to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. He wants a relationship, not religion. We all know Psalm 23, but do we know Psalm 24? No, nobody knows Psalm 24. Well, let me read it to you. The earth, the earth, this is Psalm 24. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all who live in it. And for He founded it upon the sea and established it upon the waters. Who may ascend to the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in His holy place? He who has a clean hand... He has clean hands and a pure heart who does not lift up his soul to an idol or swear by what is false. He will receive a blessing from the Lord and vindication from God his Savior. Such is the generation of those who seek Him. Who seek your face, O God of Jacob. And Psalm 24 ends this way. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Be lifted up, ye ancient doors, for the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? Yahweh El Shaddai, the Lord Almighty, the Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Lift them up, ye ancient doors, the King, that the King of glory may come in. Who is He, the King of glory? Yahweh El Shaddai. The congregation would shout. Yahweh El Shaddai, the Lord Almighty, He is the King of glory. Can you, can, can you say, the Lord Almighty? He is the King of glory. Let's try that one more time. The Lord Almighty? He is the King of glory. All right, I'm going to read the first part, and just like they do in the temple and then the synagogue, I want you to say that second part, only you feel free to say it as loud as you want to, Okay. Disturb the small groups that are meeting and the kids and the youth. You ready? Here's how they'd do it. The teaching rabbi would say, Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Only he'd be doing it in Hebrew. Lift them up, you ancient doors. 
that the King of glory may come in. Who is He? The King of glory. It's better than nothing, I guess. The Lord Almighty! He is the King of glory! I guarantee you, you'll do that when you walk through heaven. i got to get to the application. You guys are killing me. Where but in God's Word do we turn to the application? Psalm 119. Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the Bible. It's not only the longest chapter in the book of Psalms, the longest chapter in the Bible. 176 verses. 176 verses. And every verse is about what? The Word of God. The longest chapter in the Bible... 176 verses, and every verse is about the Word of God. And this is where I, what, this is our application for the message today, is, is that we could personalize these words. Your Word, O Lord, is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. Your faithfulness continues through all generations. You establish the earth and it endures. Your laws endure to this day for all things serve you. If your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. I will never forget your precepts, O Lord, for by them I have preserved my life. You have preserved my life. Save me, I am yours. I have sought out your law. I, the wicked are waiting to destroy me, but I will follow your word to all perfection. I see a limit, but your word is boundless, limitless. Oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. Your commands make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. I have more insight than all my teachers, for I meditate on your statutes day and night. I have more understanding than the elders, for I obey your precepts. I have kept my feet from every evil path so that I may obey your word. I have not departed from your laws, for you yourself, Lord, have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. I gain understanding from your law, therefore I hate every wrong path. Your word is a lamp to my feet, a light for my path. I have taken an oath and confirmed it that I will follow your righteous laws. I have suffered much, Preserve my life, O Lord, according to Your Word. Accept me, O Lord, the willing praise of my mouth and teach me Your laws. Though I constantly take my life in my own hands, I will not forget Your Word. The wicked have set a snare, a trap for me, but I have not strayed from Your Word. Your Word is my heritage forever. Your words are the joy of my heart. My heart is set on keeping Your Word to the very end. I'm just trying to get you to understand, God help me, that there is life-changing, supernatural, spiritual power in the copy of this Word of God that I hold in my hands. So I ask, do you have a copy of His Word? Do you know how to read it and understand it? Do you realize the power that it contains? If I could just get something across, and I know some of you understand, we can read good books, we can do more studies, we can hear great sermons, we can have all kinds of wonderful curriculum and help, and from every great, from the Rick Warrens and the Bill Hybels and the Andy Stanleys and, and the James Dobsons and the Max Lucado, we can go on and on and on, and those are fabulous, but none of those words have power. This word has power for you every day of your life and for every circumstance you face. 
Because God is in this Word. And if God is in your heart, the two go together and they work wonderfully. Would you bow your heads? <clears throat> Heavenly Father, I pray today that we'll have a renewed comprehension of the value and the power of Your Word. The eternal Word. The living Word that's revealed to us by the written Word. And when we receive You into our lives, when we receive You, Lord Jesus, by the confession of our mouth, by the faith the belief in our heart, we receive Your Holy Spirit who inspired Your Word, the Spirit of the living God, to be written, to be heard, to be spoken. So God, I pray that every day those of us who are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, who are followers of Christ, who have the Holy Spirit in our life, will let Your Word be our guide. Your text messages to us each and every day, morning, noon, and night, all through the day, anytime we need You. Anytime. And You are constantly seeking our presence. Lord, if there's someone here today who does not have a saving love relationship with Jesus Christ, I pray right now for them. And if someone does not have Jesus in their heart and life, they do not possess the Holy Spirit of God who inspired the Word so they can't understand the Word. So Lord, I say just a prayer for them. And if there's anyone here today who does not know Christ but like to receive Christ, simply pray this in your heart. Dear God in heaven, I want You in my life. I believe Your Son Jesus Christ is the word came to this earth to live to die on a cross for my sin and rose again i receive him into my heart as my savior and lord receive i receive your holy spirit teach me your word i will follow you i commit my life to you and i'll live by your word as the psalmist said as pastor just read in jesus name Amen. God bless you.